Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. See, everything that there is to know about anything is found in the Word of God. It really is. Everything there is to know about anything is found in the Word of God. And it isn't just a good idea to own one or more of these. It is vital to our spiritual life and our health, our spiritual health, that we read it, we understand it, and we memorize the precious truths of God found in His Word in these pages. Amen? See, I'm going to challenge you tonight about the importance of God's Word, and I'm going to encourage you tonight concerning a concept called joy. That's the title of my message tonight. It's all about the joy. Because we live in a world right now that sometimes joy is hard to find. I don't do this. If you were to check the history on my phone, you would see that I don't know the last time I've pulled up the news. But just to give you a little hint of what is going on in the world, and I'm not going to talk too much about it, but uh, some of the top headlines on my phone. Biden orders U.S. intelligence to intensify efforts to study COVID's origins. San Jose shooting devastates community as investigators try to unravel the tragedy. Death in the Himalayas. Poverty and fear propel India's COVID crisis. Powerful signal. In a single day, big oil suffers historic blows on climate. I think I'll stop. Because if we fill our hearts and our minds and our life with all of this, our joy gets sucked right out. I got a good friend of mine. We went to Bible college. We grew up in Tennessee together. We went to Bible college together. We actually served on staff together. He pastors a church in South Haven, Mississippi. Yes, God's doing stuff in Mississippi. And his name's Greg Davis. And he has a saying. He says, get your dipper out of my bucket. Because what he says is, my, my life is like a bucket, and I fill it up with God's joy. I fill it up with the Spirit of God. I fill it up with the Word of God. And I don't want anybody coming along and taking their dipper and trying to take my joy, trying to take the, what God's doing in my life. And if all we do is focus on the things that we see and hear going on in this world, now we should know what, we should be aware of what's going on so we can pray, because that's what God's called us to do. He's called us to pray. In fact, he said, if my people who are called by my name, guess what, that's all of us, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So we should be praying about what's going on, but if all we do is CNN and MSNBC, Fox and everything else, and we never get into the word of God, it's going to be real hard to maintain and keep a level of joy that will get you through when nothing else will. Amen? Amen. All right. So, we talk about this in, in KSM, that it's not just a, a good idea to own a couple of these or have it on every electronic device that you have. You need to know the Word of God. You need to read it, understand it, memorize it. Make, let it become part of you because it's so vital for your spiritual life and your spiritual health. Another important concept that we teach our students, and every believer really should grasp this concept, is called context. Have you ever said something and then when you were quoted, what you said was misquoted and taken completely out of context? You ever had that happen? If that's happened to you, then you understand the confusion that can come about when things are not within the proper context. You ever heard the saying, nice guys finish last? 
totally out of context because that statement was not what was originally said. That statement is attributed to, and I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself only because I don't know, I never watched the Brooklyn Dodgers because I'm not that old, but I know that they had a, a manager by the name of Leo DeRocher. Leo DeRocher said the original quote, and his original quote was, they are all nice guys, period. They're going to finish last. And what he was talking about was another team in the division that they played in. And he, somebody asked him, what do you think about, what, you know, he coached the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he, and he managed the Brooklyn Dodgers. And they asked him, you know, what do you think about the Cleveland Indians? And he said, oh, they're all nice guys. They're going to finish last. What he was saying was, they're great guys, but they're having a terrible season. And they're going to come in last place in the season. But that, that quote got taken out of context and misquoted. And now all of a sudden it's saying, nice guys finish last. Which means if you don't want to finish last, you better learn how to become mean. And that's not what it meant at all. Now, for those of you that didn't really appreciate the baseball reference, let me give you one from Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this, The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Most people stop there, but it continues. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's what the actual verse says. Most people quote it and they stop after the love of money is the root of all evil. And we've even shortened it to money is the root of all evil. And that's totally misquoted and totally taken out of context. Taken out of context, you get the impression that money itself is evil and poverty is the only way to be pure and righteous. And that's not what the word of God says at all. Side note. In the context of that verse that Paul, in 1 Timothy, Paul had been giving qualifications for those that would be overseers or leaders or shepherds or pastors over the church. And he was contrasting the attitude of being, having godly contentment and gratitude. He was contrasting that with greedy craving for wealth. That's the context. He started out giving those lists and said an overseer shouldn't be given to the love of money. And then later on he says, here's why. Because the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Not just evil itself, but all sorts of evil. So it's very important to understand the context of a scripture and get the true meaning of a passage or verse. Amen? That's some of the things we teach in KSM. Because we, we know that the Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved. Workmen's unto God, not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know the word. There's, there's a, a lost world out there, and they don't need good ideas. Good ideas are good, but they're not God ideas. They need to know the truth of Scripture. And if you and I, as we're believers, as we're the ones that carry the hope that this world has in us, if we don't understand Scripture and we don't take the time to, to see it in context and study it, do I have to go to KSM to learn how to do that? No, but if you come, we'll teach you. And your life will grow, and your spiritual life will grow, and your walk with the Lord will become deeper, and you'll understand and have a greater understanding and a greater love for the Word of God. Not just, well, I read it every once in a while, but man, I can't wait to see what God's going to tell me today from His Word. His Word is alive. His Word is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. What does all that mean? It means that it's able to answer and address any question you and I have any need you and I have, any problem or situation we face, the answer is found in the Word of God. Okay. We all good? 
All right, well, let's look at the context of this section of Scripture that I read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let me give you a little background history. The book of 1 Thessalonians, most historians believe, was likely the second letter that Paul wrote as as an apostle to the early church, early Christian church. Most believe it was written somewhere around 52 A.D. Paul had sent Timothy to the church there in Thessalonica. Paul was in Corinth, and he had sent Timothy to the church there to check on the state of this young church that Paul had helped start and and plant and raise up. And he sent Timothy there to see what was going on. Timothy came back and gave him some report, and he wrote this epistle, this letter, that the Holy Spirit has preserved for us because of the amazing truths that the Holy Spirit showed Paul that would help not only the church there, the believers there at Thessalonica, but still help you and I today. All right. This church is believed to have been made up primarily of Gentiles and Gentile people, reflected in the fact that Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians 1 9 that they turned from God, they turned to God from idols. Now you might be saying, well, didn't Jewish people worship idols? In the Old Testament, but by the time you got to the New Testament, the Jewish tradition, if you were a good Jew, you would you didn't worship you worshiped the Torah, you worshiped the Word of God, you worshiped Jehovah God, and you very seldom found Jewish people in the New Testament age uh, worshiping idols. But you had Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, all kinds of people worshiping all kinds of idols. And Paul said of the church there in Thessalonica, they had turned to God from idols. So you get the context of what Paul is doing. He's addressing a young church. Paul was concerned because the church was young. It was in its infant stages. And that's why he sent Timothy to check on them. Now, overall, things were going well in the church at Thessalonica. But there were a few doctrinal misunderstandings that needed to be dealt with. Most notably, there was some confusion about uh, the, the fate of those who would die before the rapture, of Je- the rapture of the church would take place. Now, wait a second, Minister Barry. I've done some study, and the word rapture, rapture of the church isn't found in Scripture. No, it's not, but the description of it is. See, there's a lot, sometimes there's a lot of confusion, and I know uh, Brother Perry Stone's coming, and I feel in good company because as far as I, as far as I can tell in reading all his stuff, he and I share the same end-time views on how things are going to play out. Uh, so I feel like I'm in good company because he's a lot smarter and more about the Word of God than I am. But there's, there's some misunderstanding sometimes. People talk about the second coming of Jesus and the rapture of the church. Those are actually... KSM, you'll learn this too, MBPOV, Minister Barry's point of view, okay? I don't build a, don't, you don't have to go start a church based on this, but what I understand from Scripture is there's two events that take place. Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians, and he talks about it in 1 Corinthians, and that's Jesus doing what he said when he left, when he ascended, uh, recorded in the Gospels and recorded in Acts, that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and get you, and Paul describes that here in 1 Thessalonians, but there was confusion in the church because some were saying, if you die before Jesus comes back to get us, then you don't get to go to heaven. Paul wanted to address that that little doctrinal misunderstanding, and he he does so by saying this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus." Many in the church believed that heaven would only be available for those who were alive when the rapture took place. Paul explained, no, the dead in Christ would rise up first, and then those who are alive and remaining will be caught up together with them in the clouds to forever be with the Lord. Because he continues in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. 
and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We call that our blessed hope. We have something to hope about tonight. That's the fact that is, no matter how crazy the news might say the world is, no matter how bad it might look out there, we have a hope that Jesus Christ is going to do what he promised he said he would do. He's going to come back to get us. And when he comes back to get us, we're going to go be with him. And we're going to be with him forever. And nothing will be able to separate us. The Bible already tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We'll physically not be separated from him. If we die before he comes back, we die with the hope that not only is our soul going to heaven, but it'll be reunited with our glorified, resurrected, transformed, changed body that we'll have forever and eternity. Everybody tracking with me so far? Okay, so this is the context of what Paul was saying in 1 Thessalonians. Now, being young Christians, Paul ended this letter, what we know as chapter 5, with some words of instruction or wisdom concerning their Christian walk. And here's where I really want you to, to, to pay attention to what Paul is saying tonight here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, because it applies to us. It's vitally important that we understand these things. These aren't just good ideas. This is anointed word of God breathed by the Holy Spirit. Paul recording it and writing it down because the Holy Spirit was telling him this is what they need to do. This is how they need to conduct themselves as Christians. This is how they need to walk. In chapter 5, verse 12, he said to be thoughtful of the leaders who work hard to minister to them regularly. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the staff. Listen. If none of the, I'm sure the rest of them would say it too. I'm just the one with the microphone. Please pray for me. Please pray for my wife and I. We need prayer coverage. The enemy, listen, when you become, I'm going if I was in KSM, I'd be sitting down. I'd say, now I'm up off the chair. Look out. Now I'm coming down off the platform. Look out. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and by the way, if you haven't done that, we'll give you opportunity to do that before we go home tonight because you really need to accept Jesus. You really need to experience his love. You really need to sell out to the Lord. You really need to stop being saved just enough to be miserable because you know how you ought to live, but you can't quit doing the stuff that you keep doing and going back to, and then you feel bad. You know, guilt, guilt is not from the Holy Spirit, and it's not from the Lord. Conviction's from the Holy Spirit, but guilt says, man, you're not good enough. You shouldn't even try because you keep messing up. I'm here to tell you, just surrender. Just quit that game. Quit playing that game. Surrender to the Lord. Give him everything. Live for him with all your heart and watch your life turn around. Amen? Amen. So, what I'm saying is this, that we need to understand that I need prayer because if you've become a believer, you, you, you got a bullseye on you. And if you're doing anything for the Lord, because unfortunately, I don't want to meddle too much, but unfortunately, some people, they pray the sinner's prayer, which is not found in Scripture, but it's talked about with the, heart, with the mouth you make confession and the, with the heart you believe unto repentance and you're saved. And that's why we have people pray a prayer of repentance, okay? If you do that and you mean it, the Lord hears your prayer. He accepts your repentance. He applies his forgiveness to your life, and you're saved. But some people, once they do that, all they do is this. They say that, they mean it, it's recorded in heaven, and it's an established fact. Woo! And they sit and do nothing. 
And they're just waiting for Jesus to come back. And you know, there'll be people that'll make heaven that that's what they did. Because the Lord is the judge. He's the one that sees the heart. But I'm telling you, if Jesus has saved you like he saved me, if Jesus has delivered you like he delivered me, I can't help myself. I can't stop telling people about him. I can't stop equipping people that are called by God into the ministry, either in the church or in the marketplace. I can't stop proclaiming the goodness of the Lord and his love for me because without him, I'd be, as the saying in the South says, as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Some of you will get that later. I'd be lost and dying and going to hell without what Jesus did. So I can't sit and just say, well, oh, well, he saved me. Everybody else figure it out for yourself. I got to do something. And as soon as you do that, the bullseye on your back as a believer gets even bigger. And the devil's going to come after you. He's going to try to steal your joy. He's going to try to make you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. No smile, no joy, no reason for life. Just trying to get through because... I don't know, maybe you're not praying. We're not praying like we should. We're not in the word like we should. We're not getting filled up with the word of God and the spirit of God like we should. Listen, pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your life group leader. We need it. Paul is telling us the, the believers there. He says in verse 13 to try to, and get along with each other. Boy, Paul was an optimist. There are just some people that it's like, Holy Spirit, I need your help to get along. Because without it, mm. and I'm kind of being funny, but you get the point. We should try to get along with each other because we need each other. Verse 14, he says to warn those that are not living right to get right. In verse 14, he says to encourage anyone who feels left out. Man, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister. We're family. We're supposed to care for one another. And Paul is saying in your Christian life, make sure you encourage others that they don't feel, encourage anybody that's feeling left out. Verse 14, he says, help the weak. Verse 14, he says, be patient with everyone. You know the old saying, don't pray for patience, because as soon as you do, you're going to get everything coming your way that's going to test to see if you are patient. Just be patient with each other. We're all, we're all growing. We're all moving forward. These are instructions from Paul. And then in verse 15, he says, Don't be hateful to folks because they're hateful to you. But be good not only to the believers, but also to unbelievers. Be good. Micah 6, 8 says it. What does the Lord require of you? To do justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. What is do justly? Just do it. Nike didn't come up with it. God did. Just do it. Just do what's right. Just be good. Just be right. Just be according to what the word of God says. Live that way. All right. Then he says my text tonight. He says something that is vitally important to hear. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you do, do you see the context of this passage now? Paul is writing to a young church. Timothy's been there. It's kind of like, you know, we, Pastor, Pastor Daniel will go or he'll send others to, to other, you know, maybe new extensions or, or places that are struggling to go kind of see what's going on and pray and get, we call it, get feet on the ground. Paul had sent Timothy to get feet on the ground in Thessalonica, and he came back and said, man, they're, they're doing good and they're growing. There's some doctrinal things, and they really need encouraged. So Paul writes this letter, and in the latter part of this letter, as he's closing it, he's encouraging the believers. The Holy Spirit is encouraging you and I tonight. 
Listen, this world needs to know that you and I have found something, that you and I have found a reason for life. You and I have found a reason to give our lives to because they're looking for it. That's why people spend all the money they spend, do all the things they do, invest all that they do because none of it goes with us when we die. So they're trying to fill that hole in their life that only God can fill. Every human being, every baby that ever draws a breath is born into this world with a God-shaped hole in their life that only God can fill. And they're looking to you and I because we're, we're claiming that we've, ha- we've found the answer. And Paul is encouraging them and the Holy Spirit is encouraging you and I. Do these things. Pray for people. Be nice. Be kind. Be good. Not just to your friends, to everybody. Amen? Amen. Now, I realize if you, it, it's easy to look at these verses and, and, and go, well, that's just impossible, Minister Barry. I, I mean, you read some of the headlines, and there's so much more. Listen, 2020 was not my favorite year at all in my life, ever. Amen? Pastor Kirsten, you were talking about cassettes to CDs. Um, I think I'm a little bit older than you because I remember transitioning from 8-tracks to CDs. I had an 8-track player in my Plymouth Volare. That was my car. My, first, first, yeah, Volare. first I had a Volkswagen, a 63 Volkswagen in high school, and then I got, a, I got a step up to a Plymouth Volare that had an 8-track tape player in the dash. Now, those of you that didn't know what a cassette is, you got no clue what an 8-track tape player was. But you got used to singing the songs, and you'd get to a part, and then you'd go, beep, because it changed track. And it was always a beep. And, you, and you know, if you didn't know any better, you thought there was a beep in the song. But I digress. Anyway, back to, back to, uh, back to the message. It's easy to look at this and say, it's impossible to live joyful in this world. It's impossible to, to live joyful all the time. Really? It all depends on your perspective. It all depends on what you set your mind to do, what I set my mind to do. Like I said, 2020 was not my favorite year. And at the beginning of 2021, I lost my mother-in-law. Jan lost her mom to COVID. Now, the interesting thing is I had the world's greatest mother-in-law. My mother-in-law loved me better than even, I'm just being honest, better than even my own family did. She was the closest person on this planet that I've ever known that loved me unconditionally. I cried. I went. I was there when she passed away. I walked through the family, through the funeral, and through the whole nine yards. That was the start of February of 2021. So as bad as 2020 was, 2021 didn't start out so great either. But you know what? Our circumstances should never dictate whether or not we have joy because it's all about the joy. It's all about the joy of the Lord. The Word of God tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. There are so many passages in Scripture, and I'm going to give you some examples in just a few minutes as I, as I move toward closing tonight. But I want us to understand with lives full of anxiety, depression, hurts, mourning, sickness, not mourning sickness, mourning and sickness, although if it applies... Okay, how in the world can we be full of joy and always be thankful? I'll tell you how we can do that. Because of a man named Jesus Christ who loved you and I when we were unlovable, who came to this world and gave of himself freely so that you and I could know the salvation that he makes available. Why do you think the word of God calls it the joy of our salvation? 
Listen, if your life is not full of joy, I'm going to be a little bold. Check and see what your salvation level is. Because no matter how bad it is out there, we're not in hell. And no matter how bad it gets out there, I've got a promise. And you've got a promise that he that is, I know he is able to complete that which he's begun in each one of us. And what he's begun in each one of us is we're saved, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're loved, we're sanctified, and we're on our way to heaven, not because of us, but because of him. Hallelujah. And not just because of all his miracles, blessings, and favor. To me, that's the fluff. Now, we should expect miracles. We should expect blessing. We should expect favor. But you know what? If he didn't do anything else other than die on the cross so I could be forgiven, so that my sins could be washed clean, so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see a sinner that deserves hell, but he sees uh, the saint of God redeemed by the Lord. If that's all he ever did, then that would be enough. But the fluff is he does that, and then as we walk in obedience with him, as we fellowship with him, as we spend time in prayer, Here's a plug. Come to early morning prayer. It's good for you. It's good for you. I don't know if I can get up and come at 7. Why not? It's daylight at 7 now. It's not like you got to peel your eyes open and it's still dark outside. Come to early morning prayer. Watch what it does, how it sets your day in the, in, in, on the right path and moving in the right direction. Amen? Oh, I hope you're getting something tonight. It's all about the joy tonight. It's mostly because of who he is. Who he is. I mean, the Bible's descriptive about how they describe him. Some things mean something to us. Some things don't. Some things meant more to the, to the day and the culture. He's the precious rose of Sharon. What does that mean? You know, I didn't do a lot of study on it tonight to refresh my memory. Just trust me. It means he's beautiful. He's the lily of the valley. He's the prince of peace. He's the hope of salvation. He's the king of glory. He's our high tower of strength. He is our all in all. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And without what he did for you and I, we were lost in our sin, dying and going to hell. But he said, no, I love them. I love them enough to die for them and redeem them and bring them back. Hallelujah. And if that doesn't give you something to have be joyful about and give thanks about, I'm not sure what would. It's all about the joy. Anything I need for any moment, that's who Jesus is and that's who he always will be. And if I'm sick or well, if I'm rich or poor, if I'm weak or strong, if I'm better or worse, if I'm up or down, if I'm on the mountain or in the valley, he is still going to be Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior and Redeemer of the world. Hallelujah. Are you excited about that? And when the world is failing... Falling apart, he will still be a strong tower that the righteous, that you and I can run into and be saved. See, there's way too many people, not in this church, but in the church in general, uh, in the church world that are walking around mad, that are walking around angry, that are walking around frustrated, sad, depressed, lonely, you name it. They are anything but joyful. No wonder the world has a hard time believing Jesus can make a difference. I mean, 
Without Jesus, they're depressed. Without Jesus, they're angry. Without Jesus, they're lost. Without Jesus, they're feeling hopeless. Without Jesus, they're feeling stressed to succeed and to strive and to work and to get and to gain and got to get mine and got to keep going and got to, got to, and they look at us and we're the same way. And then they think, well, I don't need to add all that religious duty and, and that checklist of making sure I don't cuss and I don't chew and I don't run around with women that do. Seriously, seriously, why would they need to add a bunch of religious duty to their, their life that's already miserable now? Oh, I know a lot of people that aren't miserable. Yeah, but you don't see them at night. You don't see them in the, when they're by themselves. You don't see the heartache. You don't see the things that they're, they're carrying. Because they put up, we're really good about putting on all kind of masks as humans. But as Christians, we're real good about putting on masks. Look, we all go through stuff. We all go through stuff. The Bible tells us that. Uh, the, the Bible says the just and the unjust both face the rain. God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. We all face the same stuff. But as the blood-bought, redeemed of the Lord, saved and sanctified, justified and glorified, how we face the stuff makes all the difference. Amen? We've got a lot to be joyful about. For had it not been the, for the work that Jesus performed on Calvary, as I've already said, we'd be lost and doomed to hell. Had it not been for him taking stripes upon his back, we'd never be healed and made whole. Had, it not, had he not been chastised, we would never know peace. But he took care of all of that for you and I. Oh, we ought to get up in the morning and be joyful. We ought to get up in the morning, and I, I say this a lot. My students will recognize it. We ought to get up in the morning instead of, instead of waking up in the morning saying, Good Lord, it's morning. We ought to get up in the, in the morning and say, Good morning, Lord. Because you've given me this day, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will get I, the joy of your salvation fills my heart today. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm on my way to heaven. It doesn't matter what happens around me. Nothing can change that unless I choose to walk away from it. So irregardless of where we are, we need to get excited because the glory of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the presence of God resides in us. Now, when Paul says, be full of joy and never stop praying, he says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing, which is the same thing as saying, be full of joy and don't quit praying. They go together. Because you know why some people quit praying? Because they lost their joy. They lost their joy. The, the, the joy of the Lord isn't their strength anymore, so they don't have the strength to pray. They don't see the need to pray. They're not, they don't really believe it's going to happen because of whatever, the lies of the enemy, the lies of their own mind. You know, sometimes we blame the devil, and it's not him, it's us. Because we all have a sinful nature that hasn't gone away yet. That's why we have to crucify it daily. It'd be great if we got saved and we never had to deal with temptation again, but we know that's not true. We deal with temptation all the time. How we respond to temptation is the only way the enemy knows he's making any progress because he can't read your mind and he's not present everywhere all the time because, as I've always said, God and the devil are not on the same level. Okay? So we got to make a decision of what we're going to do. What are we going to do? Are we going to stop praying? And if we do, that's a sure way to lose your joy. 
Or are we going to maintain our joy by continuing to pray, by continuing to be filled up, by having communication with him? One of the things, again, here we go with KSM. Can't help myself, sorry. One of the things we teach our students in KSM concerning the, the concept of prayer is prayer is communication. Prayer isn't just some something you read off. Although it's great to write down prayers and certainly pray the word of God, but prayer is communication, and communication is two-way. Now, you guys are communicating back to me with your amens, and, and you're, I, I can tell you guys are right here with me. I don't think I've lost anybody. I think we're all traveling and tracking the same way. And, 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 but this, what we're doing right now is a lecture form of communication. I'm doing most of the talking. And that's effective. But real communication is when you sit down and you have brother-to-brother conversation. And I speak, and my brother Joshua hears, and then he speaks, and I hear. And we think about and we contemplate what we're talking about. It's the same thing with God. Okay, Holy Spirit, listen. God knows his name. I am not intending to offend anybody. Please hear me. But I'm saying, can we move beyond the formal rituals of Father God, I thank you, Father God, that Father God, today, Father God, you have Father God established, Father God, your word, Father God. I'm not making fun. Please hear me. But understand, if I'm talking to Joshua, I'm not, Cassidy, we call him, or Texas, I'm not gonna be, hey, Texas, hey, Texas, I really love you, Texas, and Texas, I'm so glad, Texas, that you're my friend, Texas. And you know, Texas, when we were around the bonfire, Texas, the other night, Texas, what kind of communication is that? You have to wonder how good of friends are we, okay? Paul says that we have been given the spirit of adoption whereby we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy God. Some people don't like that. They're like, that's not being reverent. Look, if anybody knew how to be reverent to to the Holy Spirit and to God, it was the Apostle Paul. And he said, no, we've been given that spirit of adoption. And because we've been given that spirit of adoption, we can cry, Daddy God, I need you. Father God, Daddy God, I want to be with you. I want to talk to you, and I want you to talk to me. That's why prayer is so vital. And if, if your prayer life is where it needs to be, your joy level is going to be full because it's all about the joy. And I'm in the red numbers now, which means I've gone long. All right. That's an inside joke for everybody that preaches. But anyway. Whew. Paul said, rejoice always. Be, that, what does that mean? That means be joyful all the time and never stop praying. That means at a moment's notice, you're driving down the street, you're on your way to Fred Meyer, you're in Walmart cruising down the produce aisle, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, hey, see that person over there wearing the shorts and the tank top? Go over and tell them God loves them. That's praying without ceasing. That's a constant line of communication between the child of God and daddy God that he knows he can call on us and we can hear his voice. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, hear my voice and know my voice. Paul said, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Let me give you this real quick. The Bible has a lot to say about how joy motivated and sustained the people of God, in case you need some examples. Uh, uh, The first one is Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's the context of that. Nehemiah had a vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because they had been laid in ruin when the people of Israel were captured. 
And they were going back, but they had no protection because that's what walls did. Walls of the city kept predators and animals and everything else out. And so the, he, had a, he had a vision and a desire and a burden to go back and rebuild the walls. And in the midst of rebuilding the walls, enemies were coming and attacking them. So much so that in the book of Nehemiah, it says that they worked with a sword in one hand and a trowel or a tool in the other. And they would work on the wall and defend themselves. And in the midst of it, he says, hey, today is a holy day because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When was the last time you had to go to work carrying, packing your nine millimeter to, because you, somebody was going to come attack? you. And yet we think, man, my boss just really is riding my case. Be thankful that you have a boss because if you have a boss, you have income. And if you have income, then you can do what the word of God says, which is provide for your family and take care of your responsibilities. All right. Anyway, I'm meddling and I didn't want to meddle. I wanted to encourage. All right. Uh, Peter said in first Peter chapter one, verses seven through nine, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of the, your faith, the salvation of your souls. Who was Peter writing to? He was writing to the Jewish believers who were being persecuted, put to death. And he said, look, you don't see Jesus yet, but if you'll persevere, if you'll let your faith be that's tried by fire shine forth like gold, that you'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory in the midst of being persecuted. How is all this possible? Because of the joy of the Lord that the Holy Spirit will give us that is cultivated in our lives through prayer and communion with God. Psalm 89, 15 and 16 says this, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all day long, and in your righteousness they are exalted. What was David saying there? He was saying there is a, there, you need to develop a, a, an ear for the sound of heaven, that you hear the joyful sound of your salvation, that you hear God singing over you. Did you know that? The Word of God says that he sings and rejoices and dances over us, his children. We bring joy to the heart of God. And when we do, and when we tune our lives into the spirit of God, we can hear the sound of heaven. And man, that'll make you throw your shoulders back, hold your head up high, have a little skip in your step and say, devil, I don't care what you have to say. You are a liar. You are under my feet. I am the redeemed of the Lord and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I will say so loud and long just to make you miserable. Forsake a time. Check out, write this in your notes if you're taking notes. Check out Psalm 105, 42. Um, check out Proverbs 12, 20. Isaiah 23, excuse me, Isaiah 12, 3. I love this one. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Man, the fact that we're saved, we ought to be the most joyful people on this planet. We ought to, we ought to just, joy just ought to just fall off of us everywhere we go. Isaiah 35, 10 says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. With everlasting joy on their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You know, you want to know why joy, having the joy of the Lord, being full of the joy of the Lord, giving thanks always. Now, you don't give thanks for everything, but in everything you give thanks. 
You don't give thanks when disaster comes. You don't get for the disaster. You give thanks in the midst of the disaster that you've got a Jesus Christ, Savior God in heaven, who you can hold his hand, and he's going to bring you through any storm. Sorry, Pastor Kirsten. <laughs> I'm telling you, worship team, Minister Micah, if you want to just come, we'll bring the worship, rest of the worship team. That's fine, too. I'm telling you, when we have a heart full of joy that comes from knowing Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, every day can become a day of victory. Every day should be a day of victory. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. Look, you were created in God's image. That means your emotions and your feelings are part of God because we have them because he has emotions and he has feelings. But you know what? Our emotions and our feelings are not our counselor. We don't live our life based on how we feel. We don't live our life and we don't make decisions based on our emotions and the emotion of the moment. We make decisions on righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, Paul tells us. I got to tell you, Jesus Christ is the only true source of joy we can obtain. You'll search your life over and waste a lot of time and a lot of money looking for, it's kind of like that country song, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for joy in all the wrong places, trying to find joy in a, in a, in a relationship with somebody else. Look, we need each other, but the one relationship you got to make sure you have is with your heavenly father through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you have that, and that's the most important relationship that you have and that you maintain, he gives you everything else. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The pleasures of this world, of friends, of family, the affairs of this life, they're just temporary. But the joy of Jesus endures forever. It will last throughout eternity. I don't care how bad things become and things look for those of you that have walked through some of the valleys you know the Bible says walk through the valley though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil Psalm 23 says that Psalm 23 also says that he leads me beside still waters he makes me lie down in green pastures many Christians live the opposite we walk through the green pastures and we run right past the still waters and we lie down in the valley of the shadow of death That's not what the Word of God says. It doesn't say we won't go through the valley of the shadow of death. It says when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because it's all about the joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of our salvation, He will restore it to us. He'll restore that to you tonight. There is no greater source of joy than Jesus Christ. Circumstances should never dictate your joy. Your relationship with Jesus should. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.